Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning, and I want to welcome you and also those who are watching online, all of those who are worshiping with us, and we are so thankful that you have chosen to join us here today. If you're a guest here today, maybe this is your first or second or third time, um, right out in the grand foyer there, we have a guest services, and I'd love for you to stop by there, and we would just like to know who you are. We promise we're not going to bombard you with emails and all that kind of stuff, but we would like to connect with you and see if there are any questions that you may have, because if you're looking for a home church, we would love for you to consider making Central Community Church your home church. And so today, we are going to end our series that we've been doing, The Armor of God, and next week, we're going to get a brand new series called So Much More, and it's the story of the woman at the well. I'm really excited to, to lead this sermon series, and I hope that you'll get a part, be a part of a life group if you're not involved in one yet. So you still have time, so don't, don't work, don't wait, just make sure you get involved in that, okay? All right, now, we've been in the series for a while, and we've kind of stretched it out a little bit longer because I was gone a couple Sundays, and you can see that Dr. Bob is still here. Yes, he still has a job, <laughs> barely. But I just want you to know that I hope that you've really learned something from this series on the armor of God, because if you haven't, I know I have. And I'll tell you, I have really been practicing and looking at ways that I can put this and implement in my life. And you know what I found out? (laughs) Go figure, it works. And that's what we want to do here in our worship services here. We want to present, we want to share with you God's Word We want to teach you by being led by the Holy Spirit, and then what we want you to do is to put it into your life. That's how we learn, and that's how we grow. All right, so today we're in the last Sunday of our series, The Armor of God, and we're going to end with the very last weapon, the last piece of armor that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives to us, and it's called the Sword of the Spirit. Before we get into that, I just want to remind you again of what the Apostle Paul is trying to do here. Remember, he's in prison, and he writes to the church at Ephesus, and he's talking to people like you and I, and he tells them, remember, there's a battle that goes on. There's a war that is is raging in our lives. It's when all hell breaks loose, and he says, listen, you don't have to be defeated by this battle anymore. God has a plan. He has a way, but you have to do it His way. And then He tells us what the plan is. Remember what the first thing is? The belt of truth. So this morning when you got up, did you put the belt of truth on this morning? Remember, the belt of truth, do you want to know what is truth? Truth is God's view on any subject. So you put on the belt of truth, and now you know what right is wrong is, and then you put on the breastplate of righteousness. How do you become righteous? You do the right thing. If you know truth, you have to know truth, then you know what the right thing to do is. And then the third thing that Paul said, he says, then you put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. How do you get peace? By knowing you're doing what God has told you to do. Remember what Paul said? He goes, put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on. What's the last piece? The shoes of the gospel of peace. In other words, we're supposed to wear these each and every day. And then he changes his tune. And now he says, you got to take up. In other words, when the battle is raging, if the battle is raging in your life today, when the battle is raging and all hell breaks loose in your life, now you got to pick up these next pieces. And the first one is, is the shield of faith. He says, you can't wear it on your side. You can't have it over your shoulder. you got to have it out front of you. Why? 
Because remember, it protects you from Satan's flaming arrows. And what are his arrows? They're the distractions that he throws at you at life. And then he says, remember where the battle rages. It rages in your mind, so make sure you got the helmet of salvation on. And now he comes with the sword of the Spirit, which happens to be the only offensive weapon that he gives us. Paul started this series out by telling us, stand firm, right? He says, stand firm on the ground that God has given to you. In other words, he tells us, I need for you to believe that what God says you have is indeed truth. All right, now, if I were to ask you, what do you think is probably the most famous psalm in the Bible? I think we would all agree it's probably 23, right? That's the one that everybody knows. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, I want to show you something here this morning, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So the question I want to ask you this morning is this. So when you hear those words, green pastures, what do you think about? What comes to mind? Maybe something like this, right? I mean, you're thinking I'm out in the middle of an alfalfa field and the wind is blowing and there's just grass everywhere. Would you think of it that it might be something like this? Now, I want to share with you something about this message here this morning. You remember in Israel, there's a lot of desert land. You remember the Hebrews, God's people, were desert people, remember? So here's what I want you to think about. Did you know that there are only two ways that water, that moisture, gets to the, desert, to the desert? And the first one is this, by the small spring rains. That's the first way that water gets into the desert. The second way is this, the wind blows across the Mediterranean Sea and it blows the air across the desert. When the air hits these rocks, these warm rocks, it condenses, and you know what happens? Water forms and runs down these, rack, these rocks into the clay, and you know what happens? Little tufts of grass grow. Not a whole lot of grass, but a tuft of grass here and a tuft of grass there. So what happens is, is that a good shepherd who knows the landscape will take his sheep and he will look for these places that are exposed to the wind and the rain and he will lead his sheep from tuft of grass to tuft of grass to tuft of grass. Not a whole lot, but just enough. You know what they call these? the green pastures of the shepherd. You see, in Psalm 23, when it talks about the green pastures, this is what the Lord is talking about. And I don't know about you, but here's what I've learned in my life. I can relate to this. Because whenever I need something from God, he doesn't give me this overabundance, but he gives me what I need for the moment. In my life, when I have needs, God gives me what I need for the moment, but I don't get it until that moment happens. And you know what? Most of the time, it's not more than, than I can have, but it's just what I need for the moment. Today, Paul is telling us this. You can trust God 
that if you are obedient to him, he will give you exactly what you need for the moment. But don't base your feelings of trust or lack of trust on your feelings because your feelings will lie to you. Trust truth. So he says, put on the armor of God and be ready, knowing and believing and trusting that when the moment comes, God will show up and he'll give you just what you need to win the victory. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Ephesians chapter 10, excuse me, chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Here we go. We're going to pray this together. Last time, right? Father, today I claim victory over Satan by putting on the whole armor of God which you have given me. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. By faith, I am prepared to live this day in spiritual victory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know what I love about that prayer? It just really prepares me for what I know I'm going to face. And you know what? It doesn't matter where you are right now because you may be coming out of a battle. You may be in the middle of one. You may be getting ready to come out of one, but we're all going to experience these things in our lives. And the very first thing that Paul tells us from the Word of God is this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a different kind of battle. You see, this is a battle that happens in the invisible world. He tells us, in fact, he calls this a spiritual battle. And here's what I want you to remember. If Paul tells us it's a spiritual battle, it means this, then we have to use spiritual weapons. For some of us, that's a problem. Because we think we can do it our own way, and we think there's a better way to fight this battle. But I want to show you from God's Word, that's not the case. But before I do that, I brought with me a sword this morning. Okay? It's a very sharp sword, okay? It's sharp on both sides. So you know what? It cuts going in and it cuts coming out. It's got a very sharp point. You know what that means? It means the sword cuts deep. Here's what I want you to know. This is the type of sword 
that a Roman soldier would use. This is the type of sword that you would use in face-to-face, hand-to-hand combat. Do you understand that? We're not talking about a big sword that you wield with two hands. No, this is the sword that the Apostle Paul is talking about that we need to use. And the reason we use this is because, just like what I just said, this is the weapon that we need for face-to-face combat. All right, now, I want to pause for a moment. I want to talk about that sword because there's a wrong way to use it. And I'm going to give you an example of what it looks like to use that sword the wrong way, okay? Here's the Scripture verse. You know this very well. We're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus answered, I told you that I am He. If you are looking for Me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words He had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave Me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given to me? Now, here's what I want you to know about what Jesus just did here. The first thing that you need to understand is that the weapons of God are not visible to the naked eye. Everybody understand that? The weapons that God has given us to fight this battle, we can't see. So if the weapon you're using to fight this battle you're involved in is something then you can see, then you're not using God's weapons. What did Peter do? He saw his Lord, whom he loved, he saw him being threatened. And what did he do? When the battle came, he drew his sword, and thank goodness he was a horrible shot, and he cut off Malchus's ear. Now, I want you just to think about, what do you think happened then? I have a feeling that there was one guy who was screaming and hollering because his right ear was laying on the ground. But what did Jesus do? Immediately, Jesus looked at Peter, and he reprimanded him. He said, you put that sword away. And then the Bible tells us that he went to Malchus, and he healed his ear by putting it back on his head where it was. And then he turned to Peter, and he said, Peter, have you forgotten that the people that live by the sword are the people that die by the sword? Now, my friends, here's what I want you to understand about what Jesus was saying, because this is so important. Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, when you use man's weapons to do the Father's work, you always get in his way. In other words, Peter, when you're using the weapons that you think are going to work, when you're trying to fight this battle your way, all you do is get in the way of God. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you know what that feels like to use a weapon that God never intended for you to use? I do, quite often, in fact. And God is always there to remind me, use the tools I've given you. All right, now one last thing, and then we're going to go on. You know what? As I was reading this, I noticed something. In the armor of God, there's nothing that is given to us to cover our backside. Did you notice that? The belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the helmet, The shield of faith is out front. Why do you think that is that God doesn't give us any weapon or any piece of armor to guard our backside? And here's the answer to that. It's because God doesn't want us ever to turn our back on the enemy. 
Don't ever turn your back on the enemy. Have you ever been in a place where maybe you were fearful and somebody was coming after you? What do people tend to do? They tend to crouch down or they turn their back to him. And God says, in this battle, you cannot turn your back to the enemy. And here's why. Because the armor's no good if you put your back towards the enemy. And what God wants us to remember is this. You have to face your enemy and you have to trust your armor. And you know what? God will use it to cause you to become victorious. All right, now, let's go on. So Paul reminds us, and he tells us, you gotta stand your ground, right? I remember when I was coaching basketball, you always, gotta, you always have to have your feet about shoulder width apart. You, gotta have a, you have to have a good, a good base. You can't let anything push you off. In those days, remember, they had those hobnails. Now, the question that I want to remind you of or ask you is this. So why is it, or what is the ground that we're supposed to stand firm on? Remember what we talked about? The ground that we stand firm on is the knowledge that what Jesus Christ did at the cross won us the victory. That's the knowledge. That's the ground that we're standing on. And God says, I've given you this ground on Thursday night, Lori and I were over at the Mark, Mark Larkin um, Life Group, and we were having a conversation about this very subject. We were talking about how do we know that we're saved, and once we're saved, can we lose our salvation? You see, that's the thing that Satan wants us to, to, to fall flat on our faces about. He wants us to doubt our salvation. What does the Bible tell us? You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. So don't let your feelings play tricks on you. Don't let Satan get in your head. Have that helmet of salvation. Remember, I know whose I am and I know what happened on that cross. Jesus won for me. He defeated sin, death, and the power of the devil. I am his and that's all that matters. All right, now let's go on. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Finally, we have a weapon. I used to watch Zorro a lot, okay? But finally, we have a weapon. We have something in our hands that we can use. Now, I want you to listen to this very carefully. Did you notice that according to the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit is the chosen weapon of the Holy Spirit. But listen to this, it's not just the chosen weapon, it's the only weapon that the Holy Spirit picks up. This weapon is the invisible weapon that we use to fight the invisible battle. And remember this very carefully, okay? If you don't believe that the battle that you're fighting is coming from the invisible world, my friend, you will never pick up the sword of the Spirit. Well, what's the sword of the Spirit, Pastor Bob? Paul tells us it's the Word of God. The Word of God is the sword of Spirit. That word sword that Paul uses there in the Greek means dagger. It's that short sword that does incredible damage, but it's close up fighting. And it's that word of God 
that is our weapon. And so what we learn is that I must remember that the battle that I'm fighting comes from the invisible world, and then I will know that I have to pick up the sword of the Spirit. All right, so the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Well, let me just ask you, how powerful is that Word of God? Well, let's first see what the Bible says about this in Hebrews. For the Word of God is alive and active. Did you hear that? The Bible tells us that God's Word is alive. What does he mean by that? Real simple. The Word is alive because the Word is Jesus, and Jesus is alive, right? And so the Word is always going to accomplish its purpose. Look what it says here. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So tell me, so what exactly does this sword do? The sword of the Spirit is so powerful is that it can penetrate all the way through you into your invisible world. Did you hear that? It cuts through all the joints of marrow, cuts through how deep you are, and it goes into your invisible world, and it separates you from your spirit. I know that because I've experienced it. I remember when I was little, and we were at my aunt and uncle's house, and there was a quarter laying on the counter, and since nobody claimed it, I did. I put it in my pocket. I didn't tell anybody I took it, but in those days, a quarter was a lot of money. That night, we had devotions like we always do. and feel very good. And you know what the verse was that they were talking about that night? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all righteousness. Now, you know how I know that? Because it had such an impression on me, it nailed me right between the eyes. You know what I did? I had to go to my aunt, and I had to tell her. Remember that quarter that was laying on there? I took it. She loved me, and she gave me forgiveness, but I want to tell you something. That's how deep the Word of God can cut you. And you know what? I'm so thankful that it does. All right, now, I'm going to go a little bit deeper about this because there's something in this that the Bible tells us that we need to know. And I'm going to teach you a little Greek this morning, okay? There are three words that the Bible uses. The New Testament is written in the Greek. There are three words that the Bible uses to describe the Word of God, okay? The first word is, what is the word graphe. So we just have one called the Bible, but the Greek says the graphe, and what the graphe means simply is the written word, okay? Here's an example. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So you know what? If you brought this morning, if you brought your Bible with you, you brought the graphe. It's the written word of God, okay? But that's not what Paul is talking about. There's a second Greek word that is used to describe the Word of God. You've probably heard this one. It's called logos. How many of you heard the word logos, right? 
So the graphe is the written word of God. The logos is the message of God. Look what the Bible tells us in, in John 1, 1 here. It says, in the beginning was the word, okay, was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God, okay? This is the message of God. So when you come on a Sunday morning and you hear the preaching and that word penetrates you and you feel like, man, is he only talking to me? Or boy, the spirit is sure stepping on my toes. You just experienced the logos of God. But that's not what Paul's talking about. There's a third description of the word of God and it's called the rhema. And the rhema is the spoken word of God. So here's what I want you to understand. You may walk around with a Bible, and you may think, I've got the sword of the Spirit. But no, you don't have the sword of the Spirit. You just have the graphe. If you want the sword of the Spirit, then you have to grab the rhema, which is the spoken word. Are you with me so far? This means yes. Okay? All right, now, let me show you what that looks like. Okay? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, notice what he said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Okay, can we just pause for a moment there? Do you remember what happened just before this in the Scriptures? It was the baptism of Jesus, right? It's where Jesus identified himself as to be who he was, just like what we saw this morning, though they were identifying themselves with Jesus, okay? Here, Jesus is baptized. Do you remember what happened after Jesus was baptized? A voice came from heaven. And remember what it said? This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Even Jesus needed the encouragement and the love of his Father. And look what it says there. What does Satan say to him? If you are the Son of God, God just told Jesus that you are the Son of God. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, there's one temptation. Here's another one. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, there he goes again, the same thing. He said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. See, even Satan knows the word, kinda. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now you'd think twice Satan would give up. Nope, he's going one more time. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. You know what it says in some references of the Bible? It says, and then the devil left him, looking for another opportune time. 
Do you realize what Jesus teaches us right here about the power of the rhema of God, the spoken word? He tells us this, if you want to defeat the devil, then you must resist him ceaselessly. He's never going to go away until you speak the written word, the, 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 the word of God, until you speak that spoken word of God, and then he's going to leave you only for a while, and he's going to look for another opportune time. As long as you are on this earth, you're going to have a nemesis. You're going to have an enemy who's going to keep coming after you. And Jesus says, you know what? He says, I'm going to show you how you deal with them. You see, the first thing the devil tried to do with Jesus, he tried to tell him, if you are the son of God. Jesus knew who he was. Do you? You're a son of God the king of kings, the creator of the universe. You are a daughter of the Lord himself. Do you realize what that means? That means that your journey here is only for a little while. Earth for us is not our destination. It's an airport. You don't go to an airport to enjoy your time, right? The airport is just takes you to where you're going. Our time here, however long or short it may be, is only for a little while. But my friends, oh, if you could see what's waiting for you right now. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. All you will know is joy, unbelievable, undescribable joy. And God says, don't you ever forget who you are. You know, one of the things that I like to tell my kids, you know what I like to tell my grandkids you are Bob's boy, you are Bob's girl. Because I don't want them ever to forget who they are. But I also tell them this, Jesus loves you. You belong to Jesus. It's the spoken word of God that gives us the power that we need that causes Satan to resist. Look at this. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee you. All right, now, look at this. We're almost done. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. Why are they strong? Because the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, look at from Psalm 119. Now, I want to close with this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want you to take out your worship folder right now. And I want you to look on there because I wrote down for you some swords of the Spirit. I wrote down for you some specific passages that can help you deal. I put on there things like if you're dealing with drinking, if you're dealing with sexual issues, if you're dealing with loneliness, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with you don't know who you are, if you're dealing with abandonment, use those scriptures. Memorize them. I want to tell you three words that Satan, or two words that Satan loved to hear and three words he hates to hear. The two words he loves to hear is whenever you're talking about, about the battle, when he hears you say this, I think, you know what he screams at? when he hears you say, it is written. 
You see, there's no power in your words. Oh, but there's power in the word of God. I know this works because I use it. And if you put this into practice, I promise it will work for you too. And there's nothing better to see Satan with his tail between his legs. I don't know if he has a tail. But running away because I have been successful in resisting him by simply following what God has given us to do. I want you to be victorious. I want you to win this battle. But God tells us, there's, a what, there's certain things you have to do, and you have to do it my way. But if you do it that way, he will give you what you need to win the battle. Amen? So I want you to remember this. You are victors. You are overcomers. You are not defeated. You are not a loser. You are a winner. Not because of anything that you've done, but because of everything that God has done in your life. So if that's what God says about you, how about we start living it? Let's start living in the power and the might and the truth of who God says we are. Amen? Would you please stand? Heavenly Father, I love you. I'm so thankful for you, and I'm so thankful for your word. You have given us exactly what we need to be victorious in this life. And I know right now, and many people in this room, or those who are watching, I understand that, you know what, that, that, that battle is raging right now. I mean, all hell has broken loose. And God, you have given us everything that we need to be successful, but not just be successful, but be victorious. Father, remind us that we don't pray for the victory, we pray from the victory. We are already victorious. And so God, help us every day to put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of the gospel of peace. And then when we need them, help us to pick up that shield of faith, to pick up that helmet of salvation, and now the sword of the Spirit that rhema, that spoken word of God, which will cause the devil to flee. Lord, give us what we need through the power of your Holy Spirit to put these verses to memory so that we can say, just like Jesus, it is written. And it's in that powerful name I pray, amen. Hey, if you want to know more about this, the starting point is out there. There are some people out there, and they're, they're waiting for you, and you know what? They'll help you sort through this, but I want to give you the benediction, and then you'll, dis, I'll, then you'll dismiss, okay? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give his peace and his strength. You are victorious. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next week.